Hi, and welcome to NASIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Alex Whitaker in Washington, D.C. Today, we're talking with our Corporate Leadership Council Chair and Vice Chair, Stu Davis of CGI and Paul Baltzell of Salesforce. As former state CIOs, Stu and Paul have been in the world of NASIO for a long time. And today, we're chatting with them about lessons learned on the job and their insights on NASIO membership on both the state and corporate side. Stu and Paul, welcome to NASIO Voices, and thanks so much for joining us today. It's our pleasure. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. So tell us a bit about yourselves and how you came to your current roles. Stu, let's start with you, and then we'll go to Paul. Okay, that sounds uh, sounds like a long journey. But um, way, way back when I started in county government, um, I got involved in GIS, and I went to the private sector after that, consulting on IT and GIS, and came back to the state of Ohio to coordinate GIS activities for the state at the time. And that just kind of grew from being the Enterprise Shared Services Administrator for the Department of Administrative Services, eventually into the Assistant State Chief Operating Officer. And then I was the State Chief Operating Officer for about a year and a half, almost two. And then in late December of 2010, I was offered the State CIO role, which I did turn down at first, but uh, that didn't really work out for me. Um, you don't really say no to the governor. So uh, <laughs> I learned that the hard way. Right. But that was kind of the journey. I think, uh, generally speaking, I think if um, you get everything done that they assign you and they assign more and more and more and you still get it done, I think you end up being the state CIO. Got it. Paul, how about you? So I started my career in the U.S. Navy. Uh, that's been so long ago. I think the, the boats were made of wood at that time. Um, then I left and came back, and I realized IT was my passion. I love computers, always had. Had been a geek since I was a kid and played around with them uh, as much as you could in, you know, growing up in southern Indiana where it's pretty rural and we didn't have access to a lot of things. Uh, in 2004, I came to the state as a consultant uh, doing email consolidations. So the that kind of led me to do two years of that and get all the infrastructure consolidated. And when I did, uh, I was asked if I wanted to come on as a state employee. And I really wasn't sure that, that was a good thing. I, my boss at the time was also a consultant and he was coming on and he, I was like, we're only going to do this for like one or two years, right? Like I can't see me as a long-term state employee. And then, uh, wow, many years later, seven years later, they're like, hey, Paul, do you you know, want to be the state CIO. And I'm like, is that a trick question? Because are, are you sure this is the guy you want? Right. Uh, I actually had another job lined up as funny as that sounds. Administrations were turned over and I was like, well, you know, I probably need to have an exit in case I don't, um, you know, I'm not wanted in the new administration. And so maybe because I was so relaxed in my interview with the governor that it was, you know, quick and easy. So I spent three years uh, as state CIO. It was fantastic because I had a great predecessor I then had a great successor that many know in DeWand, uh, left state government for three years, went to a, a company that was a startup. I was the 100th employee. It was fantastic uh, until three years later when I shut the door and I was the ninth guy uh, left and we were all like, you know, unemployed. Came back to state government in economic development because I, you know, knew, still knew a lot of people and uh, had a great, uh, great time kind of telling people about why they should put their data center in Indiana. Uh, did that for about a year and a half. And then at the beginning of COVID, I filled back in because DeWand had left. And I said, uh, I'll do this temporarily, but I, I don't know that I want to be the guy who does this twice, right? 
So sent everybody home for COVID. And then I feel really bad up to this day. I, I handed everything over to Tracy Barnes, who's another fantastic CIO. And Tracy kind of took it and ran with it and has done amazing things since. Um, and I went to Salesforce, right? Um, I got to say, I was a little lost because it had been so long since I'd been on the other side of the fence. But uh, I just celebrated three years last month. And um, I love it because it gets me the chance to be in the private sector, but stay involved with all the things I love about working with state government, especially the NACIO organization. I missed going to those conferences. I missed the, the camaraderie. I missed uh, helping people make their states better. And Stu, uh, what have you been doing since you left state government? Well, so I left state government in um, 2018 after 22 years <laughs> in state government. Being the chief Molotov cocktail thrower is pretty much <laughs> what I thought. But um, I left, I took about two months off, and I went to a company called SenseCorp. It was based out of Austin. It was very focused on data and data analytics, and it was sort of a really good fit. And um, about two years ago, that SenseCorp was acquired by CGI. So I'm, I'm now on the CGI national strategy team for the public sector group. Great. Sounds good. Stu, uh, you were not only Ohio CIO for several years, but you even served as NACIO president. Tell us about your tenure as CIO and why you felt compelled to serve as president of NACIO. That's a great question. I'm going to start a little bit in, in a different direction there and kind of focus on the the back part of that so that compelled to serve as state CIO. So they're kind of two different things, right? Mm -hmm. So I missed an executive committee meeting and David Bean at Michigan and John Letchford uh, with Massachusetts nominated me for secretary treasurer. And that was sort of the beginning to be quite honest with you <laughs> in that process. But I did mention, you know, GIS earlier. Um, I, I, you know, was a big fan of the association approach and I learned early that you get out of those association activities as much as you put in. And so that was a very large focus for me. I mean, to be a state CIO, to have virtually, you know, coming in blind and knowing that there were 49 plus CIOs out there that were wrestling with the, the same issues really kind of bonded me to the, the association that is NACIO. And I was actually the president of uh, the National States Geographic Information Council. I think that was back in 2005. So I had a very strong feel for associations and the reasons why those are so important. When, when I was the, the, the president of NACIO, I mean, it is, it is absolutely crazy. I, I don't think folks actually understand how busy people can be through that process when you're president. Just because, especially the mid-year, it's kind of, you're the main show, you're, you're talking all the time, you get a very little downtime. Every time that you come off the stage, there's five, ten people that want to talk to you and chase you down. But it is well worth it. It's well worth spending the time. And of course, I will always be a NASCAR president, which is kind of nice. For sure. And let that be a reminder to folks on the executive committee, don't miss the meetings because you might just end up being NACIO president, yeah, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> Paul, you also served as a CIO for the state of Indiana and served on NACIO's executive committee during that time. What lessons did you learn in the state CIO role that you've taken with you to your current job? So I think the most important thing I learned that everything in government takes a lot longer to do. And because of that, I can help 
the folks on the outside, the private sector that's working with government, understand how how to deal with the procurement, the timelines, what's realistic, how to also you know do things that help the customer. Right? Um, we don't just want to be there when the sale goes on. We want to be there for the long term and be a partner and help them be successful because you know that kind of lifts all boats. Uh, it's good for it's good for the private sector and it's good for the public sector because the states. States are working to help their constituents and the businesses. So anything we can do to benefit them and make them better uh, is fantastic. And it, it also gives you a, a, a feeling, and I think I said this previously in one of the questions, camaraderie, right? Like my relationships with the CIOs and the deputies and the CTOs and the CISOs, I can't replace that, right? Those guys are out there every day trying to do the right thing. I know because I've been in that role. And they need help um, in doing what they're doing to make their states better. I mean, I, I, I think Stu would echo this. Everything I did when I was in state government was to make my state a better place for my family, for my kids, for my friends, for everybody there. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And Stu, uh, love to hear why, in your view, it's important that your current company belong to NASIO. Well, certainly, you know, I only would go to a company that would be striving to be a trusted partner with with government. As you know, Paul just astutely said, I mean, government is a very, very difficult area to get things done and to move uh, through things. And so that was really kind of the the whole focus was I just wouldn't work for one that's not going to be a trusted partner. And and SenseCorp and CGI both have, have really brought that to bear. And I wanted to kind of echo a little bit of what Paul was talking about. I mean, NASIO is really, the community is really a, a family that's based upon similar issues that everybody is of high complexity that everybody is dealing with on a regular basis. And, and it's a place where those ideas can be shared without any, any judgment uh, with the partners and the, the members and the CIOs, and um, certainly among the CIOs as peers. And that really facilitates a high-functioning, high-energy uh, kind of environment. And, of course, then you have the NASIO staff that are just outstanding, and they help facilitate those discussions as well. But the, the interesting part to me, and you kind of, kind of touched on it here, um, Amy, that the whole community, as you leave the state CIO's role and you move into a, a different sort of uh, environment in the private sector or wherever you uh, you tend to go, you still are bonded by those pressures and the stresses that represented, you know, the, the business and IT of those respective states. So you're always a part, which is a very cool thing to me on the on the NASIO community and that family sort of sort of a society of state CIOs that, that never really goes away. It's great. Like, I definitely feel that it's kind of like a family too. And, uh, you know, in my view for us NASIO staff that have been around a long time, I feel like you are kind of like the uncles, you know, <laughs> the uncles of NASIO. <laughs> so I give different people different names. The, the, the yeah, fun uncles, uncles though, fun right? Uncles, yeah. I've been called Uncle Stu a number of times. So Paul, for companies that are currently NASIO members, how do you recommend that they get the most value out of their membership? Well, I would have to say, I think to me, the biggest value is to be there to build relationships, right? Understand that by regularly meeting with these individuals, you build that relationship. So when they do have a challenge, they're going to call you, right? They're going to say, hey, what have you got for this? 
don't use NASIO as an opportunity to sell. Use NASIO as an opportunity to have the relationship so that in the long term, they know you're going to support them, right? I think, I think that's the most critical thing that members, corporate members can take away from, from any kind of advice I could give. Just be there, be involved, right? Don't you, and that doesn't just mean go to the annual conference and, you know, talk to them. That means be on the committees. Uh, that means, you know, try and be involved in anything that's going on, right? Work with the give back. Anything you can do to kind of show your support to help um, help NASIO improve. Because, and you know, I, I hate to keep going back to it. It's, it's, in a, it's a family, right? Stu said family. I said camaraderie. It's, I can't express how much it means to me to be part of it from whatever angle I can be. The three years when I was in the startup world, I missed it. I'd get photos from the guys at the conferences and be like, wow, I'm heartbroken. I wish I could be there, right? <laughs> we need to start doing something with government at the startup. I don't know what it is, but I need to do something so I can be part of NASIO. So I think just involvement in the organization is the most important thing they can do. Sure. Well, you know, I'm biased, but I am always struck by how friendly a, an atmosphere that a NASIO conference is. So it's always good to hear. So the current NASIO presidential initiative this year from our president, Stephanie Dedman, is about the digital citizen experience. So I'd love to ask you both about that through the lens of the private sector. In your view, how can the private sector help states improve their technology offerings in the digital citizen experience? Um, let's hear from Paul, and then Stu will go to you. Well, I think probably the, the most important thing you can do is try and hear what they envision it to be before you propose your solution, right? And listen to what the uh, government employees, what the state CIOs, what their governor is saying, do your research and understand what they want to achieve because every state has a slightly different vision. Every governor has a slightly different vision. There are many ways you can help them. Listen to what they're saying, right? Don't just come in with your pitch of what the digital experience should look like hear your customer, right? I think that's critical. And, and I think sometimes that gets overlooked uh, because they don't, you know, or the appropriate research isn't done or, you know, you don't know your customer and what their priorities are because, you know, some folks have, or some folks, I say that some states have different focuses on varying things depending on problems they may uniquely have or, or they have to a higher degree than other states or vice versa. So, I think you really need to listen to the customer. Got it. Yeah, and I, I would um, I'll jump right in there, Alex, if that's okay. Um, sure. I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, if if you're not hearing what the customer is telling you, it is uh, it's very difficult to figure out what it is you're supposed to bring. And when you start to talk about the digital citizen experience, you have to know who they are before you can actually impact that experience. So. Um, I think a lot of times the technology offerings in the in the private sector are not solely focused on identity access management or that digital citizen experience, um, but it's part of a larger technology suite of things that they can bring. So it's trying to find the right niche, the right sounds, and the things that the CIOs are going to resonate with after you hear what it is that they're trying to to solve, right? I mean, the digital citizen experience, is it, is it about all the different programs and creating a, 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 a different view as you come into state government 
in terms of these are other programs that you could possibly benefit from? Or is it more about a customized personal experience um, that is it's it is hard to do? It's hard to do. So understanding what they're trying to do is uh, is critical as well as uh, hearing hearing the customer. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Stu, would love to hear what your favorite Nasio memory is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is, uh, there's so many. I mean, it's, uh, it brings a tear to my eye to think about all the, the past CIOs that were there that I had a great relationship with. And I thought about this for a while because there's so many, like I said, I mean, from sitting at the table and, and cajoling Calvin Rhodes to sit at, at the, the Ohio table while he got an award that he didn't know he was going to get. That was kind of fun. Um, but maybe one of my, my most memorable was uh, Mississippi coming to me and sort of doing the same thing. They had me, hey, can you sit at the, you know, the Mississippi table? And they were getting, it was award night, and they were getting an award for a chat bot that they had put out there. And, uh, and it was, it's actually, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. To, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bust it out because I think if people go and look at that, it's actually kind of hilarious. Uh, yeah, yeah. Craig Ogeron, Craig Ogeron in Mississippi set me up pretty good. It was pretty. Yeah, funny. I remember that. That was really funny. Um, we'll just see if we can find that video and put a link in the show notes so people can see it. Yeah, yeah uh, Paul, what would love to hear what Nasio event or publication you're most excited about in the coming year. Well, so I have to say it's what I affectionately call the Stu and Paul party, although now I think I need to call it the Uncle Stu and Uncle Paul party, maybe, um, at the annual, right? Like we, and, and Stu, I hope I don't put words in your mouth, but I, I feel like we truly enjoy the chance to get together with everyone, have a good time, and just build our friendships, right? Because we all work together and I, I think I speak for both of us when I say we plan on being in this for the long run. Right. So um, we want to be here and we want to be part of NAFIO forever. I, I unfortunately didn't stick around long enough to become president like Stu and I'm not sure they would have wanted me as a president, you know, so I, I've got to, I've got to stay a corporate member so I can keep hanging out with all of y'all anyway. So yeah, I look, I always look forward to the annual and then, you know, the chance for us to have an event that we can really have a great time with, you know, not only the corporate members, but the, the government members as well. And Paul, when we told the staff at our meeting this morning that we were interviewing you guys, they insisted that we ask you about your Twitter handle. So we're asking you about your Twitter handle. <laughs> okay. Well, that one wasn't in the list of questions <laughs> you gave me, just to be clear. Uh, well, I don't know. What would you like me to say about my Twitter handle? I am at short CIO big data. For those who know my history, when I was the CIO in Indiana, my passion was data analytics and how we could change government and data. And poor Stu has heard this spiel a million, million times from me. We built the management performance hub, which is still, now it's actually its own independent agency in Indiana. And I, ever since I was the young kid, my, my dad always told me I was the shortest kid in school and, you know, all that. And dad was like, you know what? Uh, make the joke first before everybody else gets to it, right? So I, I've just always, I've always used that as my opening, right? My, my vertical challenge that I live with, and um, so I thought it was kind of humorous because I was so focused on data and, and you know, trying to make government better with it. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So at short CIO big data. And when most people, you know, see that they, and they, especially if they know me and realize how tall I am, they think that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty. And also like, seriously, the, the data side of things, like what a legacy uh, that continues there in Indiana. Yeah. I also love the uh, idea of make the joke before anyone else can. So I will, I will uh, <laughs> remember that Paul. I appreciate it. Um, so we also appreciate all the insight um, that you guys have shared with us today from your time around NASIO on both sides, both state and corporate. But now it's time for what everybody really comes for, our segment where we ask you guys some fun questions about your life outside of work. It's called The Lightning Round. Are you ready? <laughs> all right. Ready. Okay. Let's go. So uh, what makes for a great night out in your city first do then, Paul? It always comes down to the company you're with. And uh, you got great company. You're going to have great discussions and, uh, you know, glasses of bourbon involved. Um, you're going to have a great time in any city that you're in. In Columbus, there, there are a bunch of great steak places. There, every bartender that I I know has a Nasio pen. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> I hand those out to the bartenders I like. So if you're ever in a bar in Columbus, Ohio, and you see a bartender with a Nasio pen, you know he's a good bartender. <laughs> Paul. Well, so it's actually... I think, Stu, you know, that's a great example of a day-to-day, but we literally just had a weekend with the Indy 500. It's pretty tough mm-hmm. to top that, right? So if any of the NACIO members want to come, I am I invite you to, to come Memorial Day weekend next year, and uh, we'll figure out a great way to have a good time because that is uh, Indiana's biggest event. Um, if you come other outside of that, we have lots of great chances to – to have bourbon and enjoy yourself and plenty of fine steakhouses. And as Stu said, it's all about the company you keep. So I don't think it matter if I was in the, the biggest dive bar on the planet, if I was with uh, people that I enjoy being with, it's all going to be good. Awesome. All right. And finally, what was your dream job as a kid? I'll, I'll take that one first because Paul's much better at doing all of this. than I got a little bit more energy. Um, so, I would, you know, back in the seventh grade, I always wanted to be a marine biologist for whatever reason. I don't know why, but that was kind of where I went. And I came down to Ohio State and was expecting to go that route. And I think I was a sophomore. And my mom had a friend whose son was diving for kelp um, and wanted to be a marine biologist on the, you know, the coast of California. And I thought, you know, um, I'm not going to be in a position to be a marine biologist in Columbus, Ohio. It's probably not the (laughs) smartest move I made. Um, So I kind of dropped back and punted. But that was really kind of what I wanted to do. I'm, you know, I I like fish. I like fishing. I like, you know, everything about it um, and still has a sort of little a hold on my heart. But that was kind of what it was, was a marine biologist. Got it. Uh, I wanted to be president of the United States, so I'm, I'm guessing it's probably. I, I guess it's not too late. I mean, our current president's eight. Go. I still guess I got a shot. <laughs> um, but once I found out, right, like that, I probably would want to go become an attorney. And all, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of work. I think I'm just gonna try and go do uh, do a real job. So um, yeah, that's actually that was that was my big thing when I was a kid. I would tell you though, now if I could go back. Uh, I think I would want to write books and create like games, like board games, like something, you know, something that I do, I do that as a hobby. So I think I would, uh, I would actually want to do my hobby as my job as strange as that seems. 
I know, Stu. I'm pretty geeky. Just just so people know, I go to the gaming convention here, the, the Gen Con. I go to com. Going to Comic Con this year, but I do not dress up. Let's be oh, clear. Man. That's that's a step too far for me. Yeah, I know. I know you guys were picturing me as like a giant Pokemon or something like that. But yeah, I don't a go unicorn. that far. A unicorn. <laughs> a unicorn. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we are all out of time, sadly, but I want to thank you both again for your time with us today and for your service to NASIO this year and throughout all the years. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you to NASIO staff and thank you to uh, you, Alex and Amy, for putting these podcasts on. They're great, great ways for uh, members to understand and, and know more about what we do on our side as well as uh, what they do on uh, on the state side. So thank you very much. Yeah, and I and I. Nice. I second that, Amy and Alex. Thank you for all your time and everything NASIO does. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thanks again for listening to NASIO Voices. NASIO Voices is a production of the National Association of State Chief Information Officers, or NASIO. You can learn more at NASIO.org. And if you have a moment to write a review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts, it would mean so much to us. A big thanks to listener JR for this review. I highly recommend this podcast for any state IT leader. You will hear about top issues and priorities along with compelling and informative profiles on your fellow state IT leaders. The hosts keep things fun with the lightning round. Don't miss it. And if you don't want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe. Talk with you next time.